Kathy Connor, and it is such a privilege to be one of the pastors here at First Pres. I love starting the new year with you in worship because God is inviting us all into a bold adventure of faith as we begin this new year. And we hope that you will say yes to his invitation to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus or to discover what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, perhaps even for the very first time. If you're new to First Pres, welcome. We invite you to go to our website after worship, fill out a connect card, which you can access by scanning this QR code. It will take you directly to the card. That way, once you fill it out, we can help you get connected into a life group, how to serve, pray for you, and a lot more. We also ask that you would share the service on Facebook so that others can join us in worship this morning. For those of you online, this is the perfect opportunity for you to go and grab some water, 
cookies, crackers, juice, milk, whatever you have, so that we can experience communion together. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, some of us are beginning this new year with anxiety and fear. Others of us have cautious optimism. And still others of us are celebrating. But I pray that you would help us all to lean into your faithfulness, to trust in your goodness, that you will restore what is broken, heal what is hurt, and Lord, that you would do a new and fresh work in our souls, in our hearts, and in our minds. There are people, Father, that matter to us who are struggling due to illness, loneliness, grief, challenges that are beyond measure. Lord, we lift up in particular Jackie Faircloth. We continue to ask that you would speak into her heart and life, that you would care for Jackie, heal Jackie, care for her family as they walk with her in this long, long journey. Lord, we continue to pray as a church for Matthew 25, our ministry to those who are hungry and homeless. It's at the center of our hearts, and we will need a new location for that. When our church moves, we're asking, oh God, that you would open a way so that we can continue to walk in this great calling you've invited us on to love and care for those for whom most have forgotten about. Lord, we continue to pray for the Martin family in the death of Denise, for Elena Callahan and her family and the loss of her family, of her father, but Lord, we also pray for her mother who is in a rehab center recovering from COVID. Please, Lord, restore this lovely woman to health. We pray for Dana Benson in the loss of her father, Joe Carinante. Father, each of these things matter to you. These individuals matter to you. Their brokenness and brokenheartedness matters. And they matter to us. And so we hold them close and dear in prayer. God, we know that uh, we need to trust you in everything. So help us this morning to trust everything you say. And Lord, to act like we've heard you when we leave this place. Don't let us forget who you are. Don't let us forget your goodness. Don't let us forget your grace in our lives. Help us to become people who do these very things in the world, bringing hope where there's hopelessness. In your name we pray with confidence, boldness, and a sense of comfort because it's you. Amen. My name is Tanya Lewis, and I'm very happy to be with you this morning. Would you please rise and sing with us?
that's about, oh, yo, Brucey. There we go. Good morning. That's as good as it gets, right? That song right there, I mean, that's as good as it gets. Happy New Year. My name is McLean Murphy. I am the Worship and Media Coordinator, and I am so excited to tell y'all about our One Word Workshop. It's going to be next Wednesday, January 13th from 6 to 7 at Wright's. For the past, this is the third year now where we as a church have invited everyone to pick one word for the year. I think especially in 2021, we've got some resolutions, we've got some goals, we've got hope for a new year, and we, we know that it's hard to build this big long list of things you want to do, but what if you had one word, one word that kind of centered you for the whole year, something that found its root in scripture, that's what we're going to do together at this workshop. We did one last year. It was a blast. We're going to have different stations where you can pick a verse. Someone's going to write your word in calligraphy so you can put it on your mirror in your car. We hope you'll come. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, so next Wednesday, January 13th. Thanks. A spontaneous response to the One Word Workshop is to say this. I will be glad to pick the Greek font for you that you have tattooed on your body of, the, of your one word. And you won't be the first because one person has three words for last year, this year, and next year. Faith, hope, and love, the last few words of the First Corinthians chapter 13. I'm dead serious. Let me pick the font if you want to do any Hebrew or Greek words. And I'll help you out with it. But that's not why I'm standing here. I'm standing here to tell you about FP 2.0, First Prez, Kathy mentioned a few moments ago that we're praying about where we will house our ministry and outreach to homeless and hungry persons. We call that Matthew 25. We're under contract to sell this building and to buy another property and you all know that. The update is this. We have agreed, all the parties involved in all of this have agreed to extend the closing date until March 31st. So it's just that simple. For all kinds of reasons, we're extending the closing date, and the, all the parties involved are agreeable to the terms of those extensions. Just one other thing I want to say about the FP 2.0. The session of the church, the 12 folks you elect to lead the church, as well as the 11 or 12 people on the steering committee, it's been a phenomenal experience of positive faith and trust get keen analysis people have been leading the teams that feed into the steering committee another 30 or 40 people it's just been phenomenally good and that, that we have done this well and one of the reasons is because we have been praying and fasting if you have a question about these real estate issues you can ask Dave Dunkel you can ask me you can ask Tony Arun you can ask Mary Jo Panino and I won't go through the entire list of the steering committee or the session you can ask McLean Murphy but you can ask any one of us and we'd be happy to talk with you more about that in detail. Again, we're extending the closing until March 31. If you have questions, let me know and I'll get the person in front of you who can give you the best and most clear answer. It's been phenomenal and what I've said as right before I hand the baton to Kathy is that because of all this work together, and I really mean this, what I'm about to say, and I've said this to these teams, over and over again I've said I have fallen more in love with all of you, meaning all of these teammates, and all of, I've fallen more in love with the God who loves me. And, and that's the truth. It just has been a phenomenal experience trusting God together when the, the outcome has not been as clear as sometimes we controlling, accounting, uh, accomplished type folks would want to have the outcome be more mm -hmm. clear. Kathy, I'm going to stop now and let you tell that's us awesome. your part of the fasting and praying. I will. So on the first Wednesday of every month, which is this Wednesday, we have been fasting and praying together as a church for the last year and a half. 
seeking God to lead us on all the ways that he wants us to reach our city with the hope of Jesus, to lead us in our relocation, and to lead us in a fresh work that he wants to do in each of our lives individually. I honestly can't think of a more compelling way to begin the new year together. Humble, on our knees, hungry for God to act. When we come to him in humility in this way, in fasting and prayer, there is nothing that God can't do in us and through us as individuals and as a church. If you want to learn more about fasting, or if you're thinking about doing it maybe for the first time, reach out to me. Give me a call. I'm happy to help you understand it or help you figure out how to do this. But you'll also receive an email from me on Tuesday. And I hope you'll open it and just read a little bit more on how we do this together. In the meantime, 7.07 p.m. will come this evening. And at 7.07 p.m. and a.m. every day, we have been joined together, united in prayer for our world, for each other, for us as individuals, and for our church. I love knowing we're doing that together. I have an alarm set on my phone. Maybe you'll try that. I've heard some of your alarms go off when I've been with you. Let's keep doing all of this together humbly. From Jesus, we learn a lot. From him, we learn that we are called to go to places with the light of Jesus where people can't see, that we're called to bring attention to voices that aren't heard, to bring justice to those who are oppressed by others, but perhaps most importantly right now, to bring hope to the world in the name of Jesus. May God give you the gift of joy because you are making all of those things possible every time you give back to God. So here are five ways that you can continue to bless lives with the hope of Jesus. And thank you. Well, First Pres, we have made it to a new year. We did it. And we are declaring in this new year that it will be a time and a year of restoration. It will be a time where we will restore our finances. We will restore our relationships, our work, our health. There will be this take back of what the enemy has stolen. And we declare all of these things in Jesus' name because we know that it is in his name that all those things and greater things can be accomplished. So I ask that you would stand with me as we learn this new song and declare this over our lives and over this new year. Together again, you made a way 
No, it's Happy New Year. What movie? Trading Places, Eddie Murphy. Almost none of you got it. If you did not watch that movie during Christmas, then you're some kind of a pagan. So here we are, new season. Pack your bags, we're calling this sermon series. And one season is ending, a new one is beginning, 
And here is the way it is for us. We're excited. Many of us have excitement about what's coming next, but also there's, there's a, maybe a little stress or a little anxiety for kind of an obvious reason. We don't know what's going to happen next. We can't see what's coming. And so we're asking the question, what if there was a way to prepare now for what's coming then? Is that possible for us to do that? Could we pack our bags now getting ready for that part of what's coming then? And yes, there's some uncertainty there. What if you and I could do something now that gets us ready for then? And here's what we're going to assume. We're going to assume that God will show up. God will guide us. And God will help us to prepare And God will be a part of us packing our bags so that now helps us be ready for then. And yes, we're in a new season and you're asking the question, why is Fitz still wearing Christmas socks? Why is all of the Christmas stuff still in this room? I'm assuming that you're wondering why the Advent and wreath is, is, the candles are burning. It's because we're not quite finished with Christmas yet, and we just left everything up because January 6th, which happens to be the day you're not going to eat, January 6th is Epiphany. It's 12 days, and it's the date that's picked for when the three magi, the three wise men, or in one song, we three kings, those, that's the date that gets picked for when they show up with gifts to meet and see for the first time the baby Jesus. So all of these decorations will be gone next Sunday, but they're still here today. And I'm personally still listening to Christmas music, and I just want you to know that. Right now I have on my Spotify Mannheim Steamroller. Not that you care, but that's what I've been listening to because it was just time to go to that. It's all instrumental. I digress. Let's pack our bags. Let's prepare ourselves for what's coming by doing things now that will make a huge difference then. And we're going to do this for several weeks. So this morning, we're going to hear from the brother of Jesus. His name is James. He writes a little letter, and it's towards the back end of the New Testament. James' letter is. And we're going to see three or four verses in James. Let's begin with James chapter 1 verse 22. I'm going to read it for you and say a few things about it. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Let's not be deceived now and therefore not ready for what's coming then. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So what we have here is hearing and doing and we're being encouraged we're being admonished we're being coached we're being taught by James and and obviously by God to listen and to do so let's a couple of things about this verse that I want to make sure are clear the first thing is to ask the question what is the meaning of this word here word w-o-o-r-d do not merely listen to the word and the word in the Greek language logos it is the written text that we have, including James's letter that he's writing, but it's also Jesus himself. And this is sort of the beauty of what you and I affirm as followers of Jesus, that God speaks words, 
and that God's word, when he speaks, made all of reality come into existence. God created everything, and then God's word became a human being in Jesus. That's what we celebrated at Christmas. The Messiah, the baby, is the God word Jesus, divine, fully human, fully divine. That's what that's all about. I realize it's not difficult, not easy to make sense of it all, but when the Bible uses the word, word, logos in Greek, we're talking about all of that. Don't just listen to these printed words from James, which really are Jesus. Do what it says. Do what he says. So that's what the word, word is about. It's about the text that we have however you have it, but it's also about Jesus himself. I wanted to make sure that you understood that, but there's something else that's kind of interesting. Culturally, in the first century, guess what folks didn't have? They did not have printed copies of the written word. They didn't have them. They were treasured, these scrolls. And so people would gather like we are today, and someone would read, and guess what the people gathered would do? Listen. They simply didn't have, it was Gutenberg that put Bibles in all our hands. Prior to that, all of your forebears, followers of Jesus, most of them never got their hands very much on a printed copy. They were just too expensive. And what they did is they learned to listen. And they keenly memorized and now we have it with us. So we're, we have such an advantage. And guess what? Don't be deceived, James says. Don't be tricked into thinking that just hearing it is enough. Take action. That's what he's saying. Do something with it. James is saying, you're going to hear it. And all of his people who were seeing, they weren't reading the letter. They were in a room and hearing it read aloud. The other thing I want to make sure is clear to you is that it's a family, this faith thing. It's a team. This afternoon, Brady is going to take on the Atlanta Falcons, right? Some of you are going to be watching. I'm going to be watching. So Brady is he's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. But guess what? If the other 10 guys on offense don't do their part, we get beat. Do we want to lose today? No. So each of you is being asked by James to do your part, but we do it together. It's a family business. Church is a team sport. And so we all individually have to decide that we're going to listen and do, but we also do it with others. We're in this thing together. It's one of the beautiful things I mentioned earlier about the steering committee and all the work teams in the session. It's a team, and we're doing this together. And there's such confidence in that, knowing that we're doing it the right way even when we're not always clear about the outcomes. It's fantastic. So that's what James is saying. Do what it says. And notice he's saying, if you think you can just hear something and sort of give intellectual acknowledgement of it and then just go on your merry way, he's saying, that's, you've deceived yourselves. And you won't be ready for what's coming then if you don't now do what you're hearing. That's what James is trying to say to us. So look at what he says next. He's, in a sense, illustrating it. He says... For instance, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself 
goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, here's what you do. Here's what I do. Whatever kind of mirror you have, you get up and you look at it. And then you stay in front of that mirror doing whatever you got to do until you're good enough. Right? And then sometimes this is what happens. I'm not enough good enough. And you start out the door and you go back and you keep going. And then guess what happens? You're late for wherever you are supposed to be. This is what we do with the mirror. We look in the mirror, every one of us, every day, and we figure out what do I got to do today based on what's coming next in order to be good enough to go do what I got to do. And we look at the image and we do something about it. And what James is saying, just common sense, he's saying to hear the word and not do it is as, un, is as silly as looking in the mirror and not doing anything about what you saw and in fact leaving and forgetting what you saw. Now, if you look in a mirror and need to do something to get it better, and then you, but you don't do anything about it and you leave, my guess is one of your buddies, maybe your spouse is going to tell you, oh, no, you need to go back. <laughs> that happens to many of us. So that's what our good friend James is trying to say. He's trying to say, it's like this. And obviously, the way we look in our outward appearance when we get ready for our day in a mirror, that's, that's an important thing, but it's nothing like the deep importance of having a vital relationship with God and with each other. And so doing what it takes now in order to be ready for what comes then is way more than the, the exterior that we see in a mirror. But what a great way James is giving us to understand how important it is to look, see, and do something. That's what he wants us to understand. That's what he wants us to do. And it, it, James goes on here Verse 25, and this is where we really see the rubber hitting the road with respect to a couple of really practical things that you and I want to do. James says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, not forgetting, they will be blessed in what they do. What James is saying is this, if your habit now, if my habit now is to look in the mirror and see something but not doing anything about it, if that's my habit now, guess what? When then comes around, that's still going to be my habit. So we can't say things like this, I'll start tomorrow. Now, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to see the good common sense logic of what I'm saying. Because I'll start tomorrow, then tomorrow happens, and I don't know what you do, but I'll tell you what I do. I'll go, oh, I'll start tomorrow. Particularly when it comes to my struggle with chocolate. I promise you, I'm starting tomorrow. <laughs> the, ask Kathy, you can test with her. The unbelievable bad habits that I've been in since early December, today is the end of it. Now, I'm, I'm not canceling that ticket until after I put my head on the pillow tonight. So the rest of today is going to be a nutritional holocaust. <laughs> but tomorrow, I promise you, and she'll tell you that I will stick to it. I set the date weeks ago, January 3rd. We got the Bucks game on Cook on the Grill. I got all this chocolate from Christmas, and I am going to start tomorrow. <laughs> so if you want to hold me accountable, I would welcome it. Just ask me about my new disciplines, things that I'm adding that I left out, and things that I sh shouldn't be doing that I stopped doing. And isn't that a great question? 
what is it that God is trying to do on your inside right now? What is God trying to do on your inside? God is trying to make you into a new person. And the question can go, it's double-edged. What needs to change in the sense of stop? That's a good question. And another good question, sort of corollary, and I would pick one of them. Pick one good next step. Just one and work on that. What is it that I need to start? And just start now. That's what I think we're being asked to do here. If I could... I want to suggest a couple of three different areas of our lives just as examples, but they're important ones. And I want to use the word demystify, if I could. And this is not the first time I've said that. I want to talk about money a little bit. I want to just say a couple of quick things about money. And here's something I don't think that I've ever done. I'm being careful here. I want to talk about human physical intimacy. You with me? You know what I'm trying to say here. So I want to say two things about those things. Now, then. So here's the summary about money. Give, save, live. In that order. It's just that simple. Notice the principle that's up here. It says that you will be blessed and you will experience freedom. The people who feel the freest about money are the people who are generous and the people who are not in debt. You want to be free about your money? Give, save, live. If you give, save, live in that order, your debt will go away. Some of us not immediately, but I promise you that's what happens. And guess what James says? Freedom. That's what freedom is. Now, with these things I'm saying about money and what the things about intimacy I'm about to say, you, you may say, well, I don't like it. And I don't agree with it. And I'm going to say back to you, Well, it can still be correct. It can still be the right thing. It can still be how God uses the world and what God says. We're going to say to ourselves, I'm going to look at life's questions now, and I'm going to hear what God has to say now, and I'm going to do what God has to say now, and then when then comes, I'll be more ready for it. And we're packing into our bags what I want to call a biblical worldview. So you got two ways of looking at money. You can look at it biblically, or you can look at it whatever way else you want to pick. If you look at it biblically, then we won't always all agree about it, but at least we have that standard that we're using to try to lovingly go at it with each other together and figure it out. If you don't use biblical, a biblical worldview, a Jesus worldview, guess what? You just became the reference point. This is really important to what I'm saying, so I'm going to repeat it and go slowly. If Jesus isn't the standard, then you and I individually have become the reference point through which all meaning is determined and decided. Then I'm looking through life through the lens of me. And I'm going to change. I'm going to be different, and you're going to be different. We're we're never going to be on the same page. And so part of what James is saying is, listen to the word. And I just picked money as one of two examples. And we talk about money all the time. All of us do, every day in all parts of our life. So let's talk about it as a family of faith. I hope that's helpful. Do you want to be the reference point for the certainty of all meaning in life? Or do you want God's revelation that we know in the person of Jesus Christ and in these words that are printed in this book? And we do those words together and figure it out together lovingly, humbly, patiently. That's who I want to be. I want to look through the lens of the Bible to understand everything in the world. That's what I want to do. 
Now let's talk about human intimacy a little bit. It's really clear. And I'm not fussing. I'm not judging. I'm not criticizing. I'm just telling you what the book says. It says this is for people who are married. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. But that's what the book says. And we're not here to judge each other. And the issues in the Bible that the Bible talks more about are money, which is why I started with that one. But this one shows up pretty regular. Here's what I would say about money and about intimacy. They're fantastic gifts of God. Unbelievable gifts of God. But I'm telling you what, if we use them in ways that weren't designed by God, they are tyrannical. They are fantastic as gifts and tools and servants of what it means to live a, a life loving Jesus. But if they become command central, if money becomes command central in your life, you are in for pain and difficulty and trouble. If these great, powerful human intimacy urges become the center of your life, if they're the ones making all the decisions about what I do next and how I do what I do, oh, you're in for a wreck. I've never heard a person say, I really regret trying to figure out how God is teaching us how to live our lives as intimate human beings. I regret ever having done that because it was just didn't help. Never heard anybody say that. I've heard a lot of people lament getting hurt or hurting someone else when somehow their lives wandered outside of these, these, these loving ways of understanding human intimacy. So this is a delicate conversation about that stuff, and I just wanted to introduce it. I want to demystify it. Let's talk about it. We can, we can talk anytime you want to. Again, I'm not, I'm not in charge of judging anybody. My job is just to read the book and to do the best I can to try to live that way. I'm trying to live that way myself with money and with these, uh, this other matter. That's how I'm trying to live. I'm not perfect. None of us is. But man, let's read through the lens of Scripture on everything about life, and these are two big ones. These are two great ones, and we need to talk about them kind of openly. Let's relax. You need to talk about them in your families, with your children, all of the above, and we just need to take the, 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 the drama out of the conversation and be nice to each other and love each other well. I wanted to say one more set of things, and that's about this idea of how do we get next to God? How do we get into the Word? So I have a great list here for you. In fact, if you're online right now, if you're on Facebook, I want you to start sending notes out to Facebook about how you do the kinds of ways of connecting with Scripture and with other people. I want you to start telling us what you're doing. We'll build a big list. We'll publish it on our website. We'll give each other tools. We'll talk about it on the One Word Workshop. We're going to help people find ways to encounter Jesus in the Bible every day. Because remember, what James says is, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers. But if we're, if we're not even hearing it, how are we going to know what to do? So we got to build more of that into our lives. I promise you, you will love getting more and more knowledgeable about encountering Jesus as you encounter these fantastic words of his. So here's three or four or five really good suggestions. And these are going to get repeated for you. So we'll put these up on the face on, the, on our website. We'll send them out in emails. We'll do all that kind of stuff. So you can take notes if you want to, but we'll also publish this for you. Here's one of the ways that you can begin to build more word into your life. And this is how. Come to the One Word Workshop. Wednesday, January 13, 6 to 7. 
come early or call ahead if you want. It's 253-3838 if you want to call rights. And come early to get your food or to call ahead. And then come in. What we're going to do is, McLean said, we're going to help each other find a word that God can use to guide and define us. So we're ready then. And we're going to help you find scripture that helps you with the word. That's just one thing that we're going to do. But here's another thing I want you to do. I want you to ask the question, what is a way or ways that you can dive in intently into scripture but not doing it by yourself so before i go to individual private application i'm st- we're, we're a team here we're pack animals you and i are pack animals how can you do it with someone else i got three suggestions one is you hear us talking about life groups so you might not be in one and you might think about joining one you can call me you can call kathy you can call mary joe you can call all kinds of life group leaders you'll see them listed on the website who the leaders are call one of them and say hey what are y'all doing in that group they'll say come on and they'll welcome you there there's another thing that you could do you could meet with one other person or two other people, and you could meet every other week or weekly, and you could say, let's do this. Let's agree to some kind of a conversation we have on a regular basis, and let's just talk about what we're doing in our individual private reading of Scripture and get together and do it. You could do it by text message, just touching base with someone else, and they're saying, yeah, man, I was reading this thing, and I can't understand any of it, and you're saying, oh, but I'm reading this, and it's really cool, and you just share a little bit with each other. There's another thing that you've never even heard this term before. Maybe what you need is a spiritual director. Have you ever even heard that term, spiritual director? That's somebody who listens to you as a coach and sort of helps you figure out where you are and helps you use these tools like the Bible. That's the second set of it. That was like a whole set of things. I got a third list of things that I want you to do. This is more about you and me and us individually. You ready? And I, if, you're not, if you're not involved in any kind of a daily encounter with Scripture, here are four or five really great ways that you can do that. The first one is using a Bible app called YouVersion, Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. And if you go to YouVersion every day, it will send you Scripture. And then you can go in and you start exploring the architecture of the website, and it will help you to pick plans, and you can read them, YouVersion. That's one. There's another one very similar called Bible Gateway. So friends, in order to hear the word, in order to start doing it, to have the habit begin now, these are the kinds of practical steps that people are taking. If you're online right now, send us notes about stuff that you do. Here's another one. You ready? One that's new for me. It's called Bible Project. It's really fancy, and you can go really, really deep in this one if you want to get some deep stuff. Bible Project. All of these are free. There's another one, a daily devotional called Our Daily Bread. Try that one out. It will also point you to how to read through the Bible in a year. That one will. And then the last one I'll mention, there's a million. And this one is called B-I-O-Y. It's an app. B-I-O-Y. Bible in one year. And this will simply direct you to reading, and you'll be reading through the whole thing. You might want to say, well, I can't read the whole Bible in a year. You might just read the New Testament in a year or read the Old Testament in a year. Anyway, every single day, if you get behind, don't worry about it. Just go. Friends, here's what I want to say to you. You were born for this. We were born for this. 
God made us so that we need to intimately encounter God with each other, but also privately. We do all of our good work that we need to be ready to do our part, and then we do it with other people. And that's how God made us. We were made to be people who encountered God and each other in deep and intimate ways, with Scripture helping us to see the world the way God wants us to see it. That's why God made us, to, be, to love Him, to be close to Him, and to do what it is that He wants us to do with our lives, and to help other people discover that. And so we transition from this fantastic reminder. We transition to this table. And what we're going to do, Kathy's going to join me. We're simply going to invite you to encounter Jesus here. This is the body and blood of Jesus. Each one of you is going to come forward. We'll begin with the front rows here. Ushers are going to help. And you're just going to come and grab one of these. And then I'm going to have everybody will hold it. And then at the same time, we will all take it. You who are uh, doing communion with us online, just wait for everyone. You'll know that it's time to take it because I will say so. And so let me invite all of you to come forward now, beginning as the ushers are directing you, to come and encounter the blood and the body of Jesus.
pray for us. Gracious God, we want to hear from you. We want to be the people that do what it is that you want us to do. We want to look at all of life through the lens of you, your presence, and the words that you've given us. We don't always understand. We may not always like it, but we're going to be faithful, gracious God. We're going to do what it is you ask us to do, knowing that what results is freedom. What results is feeling your presence, which is what the word blessing means. Gracious God, thank you that you have encountered us here today in music and in words and in this table before us. Make us your people. Gracious God, we were born to be your people. We were born for this. We want to now go and love your city and love people in it and do it with the love that we've first been loved by you. Thank you, gracious God, that we can know you and we can be people who are ready for what comes next because of what we do right now. All this in Jesus' name. Amen. My good friends, let me invite you to stand and sing this last song and leave this place people confident, people certain, people ready to go and love others the way they've been loved. Great people, see you again.